send in the clowns. Those daffy, laffy clowns. Send in those soulful and doleful schmoats by the bowlful clowns. Send in Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome 80s Podcast. This is Michael. This is Awesome Lawrence. Why don't we ever call ourselves Awesome? Awesome Mike and Awesome Glenn. Awesome Lawrence. Yeah, awesome, fine. Awesome Lawrence. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are joined uh, this week. Uh, we're doing a special episode about killer clowns from outer space. We're joined this week by Chris Vanderkay. Go ahead and say hi, Chris. Hello, everyone. It's me again. Noted uh, killer clown expert, Chris Vanderkay. Yes. I guess I'm the closest so Chris, to an expert because I talked to one of the guys that made it once. <laughs> and, I, wait, I wait in line. I wait in line to get his autograph once, and I decided not to. Uh, that's as close as I got. I will pass that charming story along to him. <laughs> okay, good. I uh, I've never been in the same room, to my knowledge, with anyone from this movie. So, although to be fair, with this cast, you never know. You know, that's true. The guy who one said, of those, Do "You want that, fries with that." He, he might have been in Killer Clowns. It's a skill. Making a good fry is a skill. You don't think so until you get a batch of bad fries and you're like, I just paid a buck for this. No salt. So, so Chris, so Chris, you're a writer. You've written like eight books and you're doing a, uh, a video series on Amazon? I, am, I haven't written eight books. I'm working towards it. We're at three and a half, half meaning we got one picked up. But so I'm like halfway there. But yes, we and we did a um, my wife and I and a filmmaker friend named Kevin Thomas created a documentary about horror films called Fear Man. That's on Amazon. And um, it's kind of the reason that I, I thought that you guys would like it and why I think your listeners would like it is because the first half of the movie kind of talks about how a horror film fan is born. And obviously because of my age, 80s were sort of late 70s and the 80s were really the prime era to become a dyed-in-the-wool horror fan. Before that, you were a nerd or a weirdo if you liked horror. But like the there was a big growth of people who were legitimately allowed to like it, you know, because that was the slasher boom. So everybody was all excited about horror films then. And so the first half of the movie really sort of talks about how you get in from what I call the dark Disney movies, you know, Watcher in the Woods and movies like that, and then sort of work your way up to more complex horror films. And and um, and then the second half of the film is a lot of theory and stuff, but that first half is really just talking about the kind of stuff that you guys, you know, the era that you guys talk about. So I thought it would be something that your fans would appreciate. There's a spider scene in Something Wicked This Way Comes that always freaked me out. Like that was a, like that was a Disney movie. I can't believe someone thought, yeah, that's a great idea for Disney. Yeah. You know, there's a section where I talk about because they're not all Disney movies, but I sort of call them that because they're like movies that were supposedly family friendly but had super yeah. disturbing stuff. Like I still to this day, uh, I'm disturbed by a couple of moments in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like the part where they go through the tunnel. Like there's a scene where a centipede is crawling across somebody's face and like a chicken get its, gets its head cut off, like projected <laughs> on the wall next to the kid. And I, I remember as a child thinking like, you're like glancing back at my parents, like, are you, you know that this is happening in front of me right now, right? And you guys are fine with it because they wouldn't let me everybody's watch it but cool. animated movies, you know? Yeah. Everybody's cool with what's happening right now. Yeah. Some film school students pieces on the screen. We're okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, fantastic. I think a lot of horror film fans were uh, were formed through uh, you know little elements like that. So it's been covered many times in many ways. Uh, this is not my genre. However, I loved Watcher in the Woods. I didn't know I could get Michael to watch that movie. Is that a possibility? <laughs> I watched it like the fifth grade, and I was hooked. Yeah, it's a, I I think it's fantastic. In fact, I think if you guys end up covering it, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna beg to come back because that one and um, something wicked this way comes are two of like the great nightmare fuel machines of my childhood. Yeah. Well, you are in for Watcher in the Woods because I saw Michael roll his eyes when I said that he should watch it. <laughs> uh, you're on camera, Michael, and that way I have a reason. I have a reason too. I mean, I Man, mean, you're, even even. Even the never-ending story, it had like magical moments, but also it had those nightmare fuel moments. Also, yes, so. yes, it did. Oh. I mean, like, well, the the death of spoiler alert character in uh, in never-ending story was one of the truly disturbing emotional moments of my of my life as a kid. You know, not yeah. scary, but just like horrified. You know, 
Well, even even after the the, the horse dies, like Atreus sitting there, and you're just like as the character, like you're you're he's there for you, you know. And you just sit there with him. You're like, okay, we need to take a break. We're going to take a breather. We're all going to take a breather now. Just take a little moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the two minutes after it, he's basically going to sink himself because he's literally given up on life. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. it's a kid's film, huh? So I actually just got contacted uh, for a freelance job to interview the childlike empress from NeverEnding Story. And I completely forgot until you said that. So I need to follow up on that. So she looked like an angel. In 1984, or whenever it was made, it should I have an angel. No idea why I'm supposed to be interviewing her, uh, but I'm going to do it because okay, I love Neverending Story. <laughs> so, speaking of Nightmare Fuel, uh, the whole idea of clowns, did clowns ever freak you guys out? Not really, but I didn't watch horror movies. Um, I think for me, well, Lawrence, I think it's fair to say we met you halfway with Killer Clowns. It's only ostensibly a horror film. Oh, oh no! By the way, I loved Killer Clowns as a child. I loved this movie. So oh, okay, perfect. I don't. I this is one of the few I'm familiar with, and I do want to point out real quick that Chris does have the distinction of being the only other co-host of an actual episode, not Michael's crappy Star Wars episodes, uh, <laughs> who has who's co-hosted without one of the regular hosts on this podcast. Yeah. Michael ditched out on us to have a child. Yeah. She's, uh, she just turned three. I, uh, I got her a power wheel. Uh, she's, uh, she's pretty excited. How does so, she feel about clowns? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's this picture. I see if, I'll see if I can find it. I'll send it to you. She went to uh, Ronald McDonald, came to, uh, I think it was on College Avenue, Ronald McDonald in, yeah. on our t- in our town, Normal, Illinois. And I've got this fantastic picture of my daughter with Ronald McDonald, and she has got this look. It's fantastic. I'll see if we can send it to you before the end of the show. But it's like, uh, I think she's as freaked out of clowns as I am of clowns. But, I mean, before we had Sid Haig and Th- House of a Thousand Corpses, before, I mean, before it even came out, we had, I mean, visually – we didn't have it, but I mean, we had the book, but we didn't. We didn't have. This were the most frightening clowns up to this point. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, and we talked about it a little bit. I talked to Stephen Kyoto about it, and he said that while people won't really readily admit to it, the existence of the insane clown posse is largely owed, I think, to this film. Like the idea of what? mixing the creepiness and the sort of the weird childlike element. Uh, that was something that didn't exist before this film. I mean, you had your like your tragic clowns from like old silent films, you know, or you had your, um, your, you know, the, the, what was it? The, he, the man, the man who laughs, the guy with the, you know, the frozen smile, like that old silent movie, okay. but like, but, it looks like the Joker. He kind of looks like the Joker. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, that really was not a thing. And I, I think if anything, the legacy that this movie left behind was that it embraced the inherent fear we have of, a man walking around in the closest thing that could be to like a disguise in public all the time. And everyone just seems to be okay with it. So when later on, when we're going through the movie and I bring up how I think that this spawned the existence of the insane clown posse, can you act like that you didn't say that? And that I'm a genius for thinking that. (laughs) Absolutely. Did I say insane clown posse? I mean, obviously I meant uh, Casey and the sunshine band. Perfect. Yeah, I I, th- I had the exact same, as I was watching this. I was like, "This is why juggalos are invented." <laughs> and then we, I know, we can Pego. we can literally trace their origins back to this film. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> I know it's a it's a dubious distinction. Certainly, they're considered a gang by the FBI, so that's fine. <laughs> they are on the I mean, gang list. Yeah, frankly, Michael, I don't know why you're bringing children into this world with MS-13 and Juggalos out there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here, I will drive as, uh, and you guys uh, throw comments in because I will tend to go through things quickly. Uh, but at any point in these conversations, please uh, jump in with your comments and your insight, Chris. And once again, Chris is here because he is a killer clown expert. If if we still did a video podcast and we had those our sweet little subtitles that we made our little banners, that's what you guys would say. We could insert it there. But so we we'll don't. just we'll just have to tell them that I'm sitting here with a monocle. <laughs> that's funnier than it should be, but it's really funny. <laughs> All right, so here we go. 
Where do they come from? Why are they here? Why clowns? You'll laugh your head off. Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, May 20th at a theater near you. The movie starts out like I love a good '80s movie that has its own theme song. Like, too many movies miss the boat in, in making their own theme song. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, I think this was before it, but I feel like that we reached the peak with the Coupe de Ville's Big Trouble in Little China. Like, that's I think that's as high as it can ever go, right? So it's only downhill. That's the nadir of <laughs> of, of self-named theme songs for movies. Like. I could write a made-to-order theme song in four minutes, and they should have used it. I think movies... Howard the Duck had one, right? Yeah, Howard the Duck. Such a great feeling. This this song was actually kind of reminiscent of the UHF song a little bit to me. It was very new wave. Okay. Well, one of the fun things, not a big surprise to you, is that, and Stephen Kyoto will admit this, is that everything in this movie, uh, he calls an homage because he just took it from someplace. Uh, (laughs) Like, he literally said, when we wrote the script for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, we just watched the blob and just put clowns in where there was a blob. That's awesome. Yeah. Folks, that's the kind of insight you don't get on other podcasts. Consider donating to our Patreon. More of that later. <laughs> uh, had a Patreon for three years. Never once promoted it. Worst businessman ever. <laughs> so, uh, yes, they start out kind of with the new wave theme song. The first thing that really catches my eye is we got the guy walking down the street. And he's got the, the beer can. But to me, all beer cans should come in that can. It's just white, and it says beer on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they got it from the Dharma Initiative on Lost. Okay. Okay. I was just like, every every uh, beer should be sold like that. I just want to see beer. I don't care what flavor it is. I don't care what kind it is. It just should say beer. Uh, at the same time, he's crossing the street. We got a police officer. Now, I was wrong about this, but my first assessment, I, and I, like I said earlier, I love this movie. I have not watched it, though, since I was maybe 10 years old. Like, it just used to always be on, and I always would just be like, oh, I like that movie. But I never uh, really put a lot of thought or loved into it. So this was like the first time watching it as a, as a kind of sewer of movie. And if it definitely felt like, it definitely felt like HBO had like the contract on it. Like it played it every day for like three months straight, like, you like three, three, especially like three o'clock in the afternoon. You're like it's PG 13 kids can watch it. No big deal. Yeah. And then that was back when HBO had like eight movies, right? And right. They were in yeah. Constant cycle. And that's why we love those eight movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I believe it eventually made its way to, uh, to that Up All Night show. We don't mention the host because she's still the only guest to no show on us. But it was that little USA show that she used to do opposite Gilbert Godfrey. Nobody's, nobody's ever heard of it. <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell. I think Cato Kalen was on it once. <laughs> uh, so at first when I heard when the, when the, the cop was talking into his thing, I was like, Oh, he sounds very like officer Joe Friday. Like he was just very matter of fact. I'm like, that's what we're doing here. I like it. Turns out, no, he's just an Irish asshole, but we'll get to that again too. <laughs> no offense to hmm, that Irish. is the, yeah, the police chief is by far my favorite character in this film. He's, he's, he's both a c- complete cliche and also the weirdest turn on a stereotype I've ever seen at the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so this movie so far checks some of my boxes right away because we have a th- its own theme song, and then within five minutes we're at a makeout point. Uh, big fan of that. <laughs> Complete with ice cream make- truck. <laughs> yes, because you make out. That's what you do, Glenn. You got to make out point top of the world. Uh, so yes, we have a perverted clown ice cream truck. Take a lick while you screw. 
Uh, that was one of the things yelled over the loudspeaker. <laughs> so I love these two guys too. These are you got to have bumblers in your movie. You got to have the bumbling characters. And these two are they brothers? Is that was that said? I don't know if it was said. That's certainly the vibe that I got. But frankly, yeah, they're supposed to be brothers. The dialogue yeah. in this movie isn't so much expositional as it is. Uh, like literally textual like they just say things that are supposed to happen to each other <laughs> yeah so they're uh making uh absurd uh sales pitches over a loudspeaker at makeout point and it's not going well so we go inside the truck to see we take a little peek behind the curtain of what their ice cream business is like and they got a couple of dates there uh did I thought that I'm glad they didn't like overly push the fact that they were because we Chris, we often talk about like watching 80s movies through 80s goggles uh, yes. because if we watch them now, like with, you know, being woke as we are, uh, <laughs> hashtag woke, then we uh, we find out a, that half of Revenge of the Nerds is just sexual assault claims, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Great way to put it. So, uh Watching through 80s goggles is something that I've really tried to perfect. But even still, like, I was afraid they were going to go for the easy jokes about the girls, like, eating the ice cream. And, like, one of them was heavier. And I was like, don't do that. And then they didn't. And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, I felt like they they didn't go down a road just because I didn't want them to. Yeah, I mean, for a movie with an ice cream truck full of horn dogs that opens at Makeout Point, this movie's kind of remarkably chaste. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's very gentle with its uh, depictions of, and maybe maybe it's as a result of being a remake of The Blob, which is a '50s film that it, that really just wasn't uh, wasn't in the cards. Or even later when there's like that shower scene, you're like, okay, we're gonna see some stuff here. Well, that's where and I disagree like, nope. with the movie. <laughs> you saw some ankles. You're like, oh, great ankles. Well, no, because being trained like we are, to ex- we're gonna expect boobs in that situation because that's what the yeah, '80s boobs, were about. Totally boobs. And they didn't. And you know what? A nice refrain, because that probably allowed me to be able to watch it on HBO without having to close my eyes when my parents were in the room. So good job, Killer Clowns. Uh, so uh, we, we see we have lights in the sky, guys. Lights in the sky. Everything's going crazy. What could it be, Michael? There's no way it could be a big top circus tent flying from the from the sky. That's impossible. And there certainly couldn't be an old man with a <laughs> flea bitten dog that would stumble upon this, right? Dude, it was like right out of like the red fern groves or something. I was like, <laughs> what is happening? Of course, he's got his overalls on. Of course, he lived through the depression. Of course, he ate a horse at one point in his life. Um, and this I, is it, wasn't me, th- after all of that survival through the depression, probably. <laughs> And what killed yeah. this man? Before he before he uh, gets shuffled off this mortal coil, he does say, I'll be greased and fried. What's a circus tent doing in these parts? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 do love like that, uh, I love that, 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 that for just a moment, the movie genuinely thought that we were going to be uh, we were going to be brokenhearted about the loss of the dog, even though they did it with a comically oversized dog catcher net through the hole in the circus. So we have a uh, redneck older gentleman with his dog, his hunting dog, and they get captured within this tent. It's his best. It's his best hunting dog, Glenn. Uh, And real quick at this exact moment, uh, we need to take a moment of silence. All right. Thank you. Cause this is the exact moment that Stephen Hawking uh, death was announced as I was watching it. Uh, I sent a very heartfelt text to Michael at this exact time. Uh, also to MF Jones saying, I have good news and bad news for you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, we don't want, I won't go. Uh, people will hate me. Anyway. So bad things happen to our redneck friend. Uh, and then as that's going down, we flash over <laughs> to a different part of town and we got some. Uh, some or we go to the jailhouse. We got some college punks getting busted for drinking in the park, and that's when we really get to meet Captain Irish. We were just walking through the park on the way to the dorm. We just had a little wine. What's the problem? You're the problem, you little shit. Just scum like you that are killing this town. You're the thing for these little boys. 
Screw you and your college flunkies. I know you, you little fart. Stupid kids with pranks. I'd shoot them all. They took your wife away in a balloon? Well, you don't need a police pal, you need a psychiatrist. You're gonna believe me and this little tramp. Fuck you! <laughs> Uh, well, yes. see, I don't think he ever made Captain. Well, yeah, you know, I, I have to, I have to say this. I, I do genuinely believe that the VIP award for this film goes to John Vernon, who yeah. clearly showed up for two days of shooting in this film. He right. essentially walked back and forth in two different rooms uh, for the majority of his performance, often just being angry entirely by himself. Yeah, he's uh, he's an angry Blarney. He is. <laughs> He has he has my single favorite moment in the whole film where he's reading and laughing uproariously at a gun magazine. <laughs> so they got great articles. So uh, Irish McCoppington, he's there and he is uh, he's trying to beat down uh, some of these drunken college punks for public drinking, and he's ready to take the stick to him, put the boots to him. And then young cop, who we later find out, uh, is uh, Dave. Dave uh, steps in, and he basically tells Irish, what's, what's up? What is what? And they have a little stare down. It, I think there's some tension there that might get resolved later on. Uh, and away we go. So we go back to make out couple. Our makeout, sorry, makeout point. We have the our couple who we were focused on earlier, so obviously they're going to be at the stars, and they walk up uh, to the tent, and we discover cotton candy cocoons, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, that's one thing about the one, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, one thing about one thing about all those couples, they're all like thirty five years old and in college, so you're like, <laughs> of course, they're responsible adults. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, that's that's the uh, the Porky syndrome, right? Where you cast thirty five yeah. year olds to play eighteen year olds because you're sure there's never going to be a sequel, so it won't matter when their hairline starts receding. Right. <laughs> so, uh, we got clowns and balloon animals that are giving people a chase. And would you say these are the best movie clown masks ever? I mean, they were pretty freaky. Yeah. I think the thing I liked about the clowns in this movie is because they're alien clowns, it almost it was almost as if they bypassed the necessity for it to feel human underneath the clown. As if like mm-hmm. as if an alien saw a clown and tried to dress up like it but had never seen a person. So it just sort oh. of got the broadest of strokes correct, you know? Chris, you just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the fun facts I found was that they used some of these clown costumes and Ernest Scared Stupid. They like, repurposed them. Is that true? Pro- Pro- I'm going to have to that's go back and check I, heard that out. That, I haven't that, seen that's it That's what in I years. heard. Um, it's probably my second favorite Ernest film. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, n- now I have to know what, what's the top of the heap. Is it Ernest Goes to Basketball Camp or whatever the hell that one was? Well, well it's, I mean, he saved Christmas. He saved a lot of things. He, go, he goes back to school, saves Africa. I, I like Ernest. Ernest yeah. Goes to Camp, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Ernest, <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp was the closest they ever got to looking like a professional film that should be released for human <laughs> beings to see. I, I think in reality, they filmed it in like super high-grade stock. Like They had no business filming it in, the, in that stock, but they just went ahead and did it. And then, So anyway... When you get the uh, get the DVD of Ernest uh, Ernest goes to camp, it is a higher quality. It might look really great on your 4K TV. Try it out. Yeah, I can't wait for the Criterion release. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have it on Laserdisc. <laughs> Nothing uh, will ever come out that's better than Laserdisc, Glenn. You have you got rid of your whole media collection except for Laserdisc. <laughs> I know so, people that still own them because there are DVD or the commentaries that have never been released. I like some guy's got a Cronenberg commentary. He can't play anywhere else. He's, he's held onto a laser disc for whatever twenty years oh, wow. now. Well, yeah, Michael has a vast collection of laser discs. You looking Just, at him like, now? It, it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel safe, Glenn. Well, I mean, got rid of all his DVDs. With the political <laughs> precipice we're staring over, we may be going back in time to old timey uh, technologies, depending on how everything shakes out. Well, that's why I still have my beta player. 
I just assumed it would be couches next to the fire with like a cardboard box. And then we would just, people would go inside that cardboard box and cut a hole. And then we'd be inside the hole and we'd just reenact all of our favorite TV shows that way. Yeah, I was just going to say dry erase boards, but that's interesting too. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, the girl, Debbie, as we find out, and her friend Mike, uh, they make their escape. And Debbie is friends with the nice cop, uh, Dave, once again. And she doesn't exactly say why they're friends. More on that to come. Uh, and this is a kind of where we cut back and forth. There's a lot of cut scenes here. So we're going to spend 30 seconds to a minute on the clown uh, and the automatic. Or in the, I'm, I'm sorry. The clown in the animatronic gorilla in front of the drugstore. <laughs> we'll spend some time there. That's going to be funny. And it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got the jerky Irish police officer. <laughs> I just wrote down in every time I described him in my notes. I just threw something different. So the jerky Irish police officer. Uh, he's kind of being uh, a jerk uh, about the clowns to people. Like He's starting to get some calls. He's... He does Whoa. not believe anything. Yes, that's my favorite scene in the movie after the laughing at the gun magazine is where he gets calls and eventually decides he believes the town so little that he'll just stop taking emergency calls from the police. Right. right? Just all together. Yeah. He's, you know what? I'm done with you, town. <laughs> uh, we also have the puppet show in the park. There's another fun, uh, fun cut scene there where the clowns are putting on a puppet show. Uh, then we have the clown in the drugstore. Did we ever find out what he was looking for? Or he just wanted to tear it apart. I don't think we ever found out what he wanted. I well, hope I he found what he wanted. He clearly had more than 10 purchases. And I don't know if maybe there was an issue <laughs> with him being in the express lane. <laughs> so after some dialogue between uh, Mike and Debbie, uh, we find out that cool cop Dave is actually her ex-boyfriend. Now, should Debbie have disclosed this to Mike earlier? I mean, they were in a panic because they were being chased by clowns. So I'm going to give her a pass. I don't think she was trying to withhold. Yeah. And it's hard to bring up when you're being followed by a clown in an invisible car. <laughs> so I loved when the clown started going door to door here. So he delivers pizza. That's also, Michael, closest thing you probably got to seeing Bear Breasts is... Uh, the girl who opens the door in lingerie. In negligee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so she gets blasted with the cotton candy ray. Uh, he's just he. Then he goes to another door. There's an older couple. He's just going door to door blasting fools. That's what he do. Yeah, they they escalated quickly. This is no this is no slasher film where you you know you stalk one person at a time. Like they went from zero to ten. Yeah, yeah. There is uh, no suspense here. They are they are there to do a job, and they're going to TCB that job. <laughs> and how? So uh, at this point, uh, Mike takes Dave to the big top, and he leaves Debbie back to shower. And uh, big top's gone, gentlemen. There's no more big top. What? Dave, Dave does what he needs to do, and he arrests Mike. Which, once again, in some movies, there would be this long, drawn-out thing where like Mike's in jail, and he's like screaming about the clowns, and he's trying to get out, and he finally, towards the end, gets out. No, he's in custody for all of like a scene. Yeah. Uh, Just long enough for you to think there might be a story happening, and then they right. say, no, you know what? It's fine. Uh... This is also where we get the clowns versus the biker gang. I was rooting for the clowns. I don't know about you guys. I did not like that biker gang. Yeah. Well, I, I got the – I love the impression that, uh, that that's, that's what a tough gang would do, like a bike gang. Obviously, they would hang out around outside waiting to pick on a mime clown. <laughs> they go, that's, it that's, felt very much like the Blue Oyster Bar. I was from just going to say films. that. It was very Police Academy to me. Oh, that yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even occurred to me, but yeah, I I, I always find the, the the depictions of '80s uh, gangs to be uh, hilariously sort of naive now in retrospect when we look back at like what kind of bullying they were doing. Right, like a ten-year-old in school now is far worse than any gang member in an '80s film. <laughs> I really like because he had like the long hairs, like. 
How am I going to look like I'm in a gang? Put on a bandana. Yep, I'm in a gang. <laughs> a 10-year-old in school also has more access to firearms. I'm just saying. Shut up. So. <laughs> oh. Man, I would so, say too soon, but like you, ha- I probably have to hurry to get to it before the next one, right? Because right, I, exactly. make- there's never too soon in this situation. Uh, so Dave then finds a cotton candy a car. Did I write that? Was there a cotton candy car? Bar? I don't know. He uh, found something cotton candy related. <laughs> there was a lot of cotton candy related elements going on at this point in the film. Uh, and so Dave, upon finding said cotton candy situation... He just straight up uncuffs Mike. He's like, yep, yeah, I think we're good here. You're telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, the rare instance in a horror film of any kind where a police officer sees a thing and goes, oh, you were right. Let's team up and solve this thing instead of like bumbling around just like trombone music until he accidentally gets stabbed in the neck when he comes downstairs or something. Right. And here I am mad about that there's no, not enough story. Jesus. <laughs> jerk cop finally does something right in a movie and i'm just like sitting there making fun of him well to be fair he has a pretty solid counterbalance with uh with john vernon there basically giving up on the entire town and refusing to get up from his death <laughs> it definitely like he definitely felt like he was definitely no roger murtaugh but he, he was definitely old too old for this shit <laughs> yeah oh that was that was uh well i think his swan song right we're coming up on that now aren't we vernon's uh Big yeah. hurrah from the film. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So So he has some drunk kids in the jail that he is, he he went and got earlier. Uh well yeah, so at this point this is actually where uh our friend here, uh Irish the Mick cop, uh he starts uh I think his first name was Mick is what I'm saying. I'm I was not the okay. Okay. <laughs> He uh this is where he starts hanging up on the calls and then is not answering. Uh, we then cut back to Debbie. She is showing some abs for you, Michael. Very tan. And we have moving moving popcorn on the floor. So I'm intrigued by what that would be. Hopefully yeah. we figure it out. And then I love that uh, we see that and we're like, oh, I wonder what the deal is with the popcorn. And I think the very next shot, isn't it just like a, a clown throwing like eight handfuls of popcorn yes. in a dumpster? <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's like, like throwing where is it this around? going? Right. <laughs> Not only do we harvest humans to live, but we also like to inject a little bit of chaos. Yeah. Uh, this is at the point where I decided this town deserved the clown invasion because they have far too many circus-themed restaurants. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have – first we have the ice cream truck, and now we have the Big Top Burger. One thing I noticed – I mean, I've seen this 40, 50 times. It was like the, the dynamic between the two mothers – in the in the restaurant, they're like they're talking to each other like it's not how it used to be. This isn't this isn't this is how it used to be, and you're just like, why are these? Why did they? Why did why do they feel the need to have these snooty women yelling at their kids about ketchup? But it definitely felt like a real moment, and I, I wasn't sure if we were gonna have one of the childs wander out and have like another like Frankenstein scene where the kids like with one of the the clowns, but you're like, okay, get away from the clown, get away right. from the clown. We can watch a dog die. That's totally fine, but not a little kid. Michael, you know what it's not like it, how it used to be as code for, right? <laughs> They're coming, Jim. They're coming. Neighborhood's sure losing some property value around here. They're coming, Jim. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what they say in the south side of Chicago. That's what they say. Okay. They're coming. Shut up, Glenn. Shut up. I didn't say it. Jim did. <laughs> well, it was said to Jim. Was said to Jim, but then Jim repeated it, and then I stole it. So, <laughs> fairness, <laughs> they're coming, Jim. So, uh, yeah. So the clown fights the, the poor big top hamburger worker. I guess because maybe he thought he was more clowny than him. I don't know. I don't know the motivation just to beat up the poor burger guy, but it happened. Uh, well, no, I think I think Michael's theory about them essentially just being agents of chaos might hold some water here. Yeah, because, yeah, the popcorn also then attacks the burger worker. So he's just getting it from all sides. Uh, this is my favorite line in the whole movie right here. Dave looks at Mike after they find the cotton. They flashback to them now. They have the cotton candy. He goes, we're going to have to send this cotton candy to the uh, state crime lab. <laughs> <laughs> As a fan of horrible procedural police movies and police shows, when he said that, in all seriousness, I lost it. 
because <laughs> it was straight out of any show. We're gonna we're gonna have to send that cotton candy stick prime left. That's what we do. Makes total sense to me. Makes total sense. Uh, by the way, there's clowns invading your town right now. If I know anything about bureaucracy, we're gonna get those fat cats down on the state capitol. We're gonna show them what's what. This is Mr. Burns. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, Debbie, uh, Debbie is oblivious. Uh, and she is, oh, at this point, she reunites with Mike. Yeah. And he wants to know why uh, she likes him and not, uh, and not her ex, Dave. And she says, I go for the laugh, not the stability. You make me laugh. It's the Jessica Rabbit defense. I never believe it mm-hmm. when girls say it, but. Do we? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that, that scene you're talking about, that came after the hamper full of clown snakes, right? Yes. You know what? I did not do that. So, yes. Uh, why don't you explain the hamper full of clown snakes? I did yeah, well, that. apparently, like the film Prometheus, uh, this popcorn mutates into some sort of monstrous clown snake. That pops up out of her hamper uh, because I guess what did she had the popcorn still clinging to her from when she was shot at earlier I guess right that's how it got there yeah yeah the, the shotgun of popcorn yes. yeah right exactly and then basically while she's running away from them I think is this is the point where you get sort of like the clown version of assault on precinct thirteen where like no matter what window she goes to uh, there are <laughs> clowns attempting to break in or catch her I thought that was a particularly nice touch the clowns with the trampoline. Yeah, they always seem very upbeat about it. <laughs> yeah, I completely for- yeah, I skipped that part. I forgot I th- think I was texting Michael, but I did see it and I forgot to write it down. That was uh that was something. So <laughs> Dave goes back to the police station and he asks uh Irish to call the state police. And Irish says, "Fuck you." Very matter of fact. In fact, so what we gather here is that our uh, is our Irish friend here is he basically thinks that he's going to be able to use all of this to get Dave fired with the chief because that key, that is one thing that comes up a lot. He goes, "You want me to tell the chief?" Like he just wants Dave fired. He does not like his new way of policing and uh, wants him fired so bad that he turns his back on the entire town. Let's see what happens with that. Yeah, it's uh, almost like he has some like Alex Jones level of conspiracy thinking going on here. <laughs> Every single member of this town is in on this elaborate joke to convince him clowns have taken over, which I feel like is, that's actually harder to believe than alien clowns. Isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. So, uh, the clowns, well, one thing I loved about it was the the fuck he said, fuck here. And it's a PG 13 movie. So I think they're allowed the one fuck. And then this is the, this is, he, yeah. he uses. well, that's why I was surprised. I didn't think about it until he said it. And I was like, Oh, that's like the first bad. That's the. I mean, there's some you know some in the window there, but that's the first uh, f bomb we got in in a pre- relatively clean movie. All things considering, this movie very clean. Uh, the clowns invade the police station. I love it when he squirts them right away. He squirts uh, squirts them with the water flower. He's, uh, that's that's so clowny of him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I also love that he he goes through the the trouble of removing uh, his his hands just so that we can get the gag of when he says hands up and he just sticks his stumps in the air. Yes. So Irish uh, cuffs the clown and then uh, the clown escaped because he has the fake hands. So yes. Uh, so Irish cop freaked out, kind of looks at him and does the hands up. Yeah, and then he he holds up the the no hands, which was hilarious. It was laugh out loud funny. For about two seconds. I loved it. Uh, so he pulls a gun and he tries like he tries to sh- uh, hit the clown. And he ends up getting the clown. Uh, and you feel like that was just set up. Like our friend the clown could have escaped any time. But he wanted to lure in the police officer with a false sense of security. And then he pulls his head straight to the cell bars many times. Uh, next favorite part is right very next scene where Dave arrives to the jail and there are oversized clown footprints like just on the floor for no reason <laughs> right back to the jail cell uh, and Dave watches the, as the clown kills his Irish friend 
And Dave tries to shoot the clown, but what he doesn't know is that alien clowns, guys, bulletproof. Come on, Dave. <laughs> Where's your training now? <laughs> <laughs> so he calls for backup to the state police, lets them know that the clowns have invaded. Uh, now, I, and I, they actually very reasonably say backups on the way. Yeah, apparently no not all cops are as bad as uh, as the Irish guy. Some I, police officers are like, "That sounds crazy," but we'll go ahead and check it out anyway. Yeah, once again, sensible police officers in a horror movie. That <laughs> does not happen. Uh, now, I believe, are we at a park here with the security guard? Here we go. I think we're at a park where they pie the security guard in the face. They go right. to the amusement yes. park. Yes, that's where we're at. Thank you. So they give the security guard a good pieing. <laughs> uh, who doesn't love a good pie? <laughs> uh, and they start searching through the cotton candy cocoons. Because at this point they know Debbie, Debbie is uh, inside a cocoon. And in the balloon. She's in the balloon. Well, they didn't know that. They're searching for the cocoons, okay. right? And then they find Debbie. They rescue her. But they are trapped. And the clowns are closing in. And then, out of nowhere, the clown ice cream truck bursts in to try to save them. And then the clowns are frozen by the clown truck speaker. But it's not the clown truck speaker that freezes them. Because Clownzilla lowers himself. From the ceiling. Tell me about Clownzilla, Chris. <laughs> oh boy, where do you start with that? Well, I, you know what? I'm going to put that on hold for a second because I do just want to note the yes. single most terrifying moment in the film for me, of which there were not many because it's not really a terrifying movie. But when they're using the uh, Irish cop as a ventriloquist dummy, yeah, that's frightening. Yeah. Super disturbing for a couple of reasons. First, you know, just the idea of how he's operating him is a little disturbing because he's got his arm behind him and we don't see where it goes but then the other element that was freaky to me is the way that he he's, he's clearly dead and he's got like this this uh, quiet delivery but he's telling a joke he's telling a joke as if it's a, a, a ventriloquist dummy setting up a routine but it's like it sounds so sad and so depressed when he says whatever the punchline is and then they zoom in on his face and he goes what does he say he says don't worry, we just want to murder you or something like that. Like, <laughs> I know that is frightening. Oh my god! It's like it, it. It kind of feels like Independence Day a little bit when Data has that thing wrapped around his neck. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a good point because they didn't talk either, right? They're just holding him up, using yeah. him as like a prop to get him to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. That was the one moment, like in a, in a film that's generally kind of light and fun and weird and creative. There's that one moment. I was like, oh my god, that's horrifying. <laughs> as an adult man, I felt that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so sorry. Back to Clownzilla. Yes. Uh, also, also when the security guard literally melts from the pies, it's like pie attack, and then you're like, oh, nothing's gonna happen to him. I've seen all the Three Stooges, <laughs> and of course, it does. It dissolves his flesh until his bones with the cherry on top. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things Stephen Kyoto said too. Is they were like uh, they called him. He said they called him all candy coated kills. They said they sat down and they made a list of everything everybody knows about clowns and said, how can we make that? A weapon how can we kill somebody with that and like that's basically how they came up with the balloon animals and the shadow puppets and the you know everything that they had in there was just something that one of the people sitting around in the room when they were writing remembered about a clown you know from their youthful nightmares or whatever the also frightening to me was the parade down the street just them collecting the the fish the light bulb cotton, cotton candy people as they're <laughs> just walking down the street it kind of made me think of batman returns a little bit because they kind of have like a clown like Carnival Parade in that movie a little bit also. But it's just like, this is frightening. They're going door to door. How come nobody's doing anything about it? How come the state police aren't here yet? Yeah. Well, it reminded me of like, it's like Red Dawn, but with clowns, you know? Like, they just roll into town. Yeah. Just take over the entire town. Poor, poor people in that town. Red Nose Dawn. <laughs> Boom. Uh, Good night, everybody. Chris, what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris, if you have a moment while we're discussing this, you can check your email. Uh, so. <laughs> Talking code. <laughs> it's lady pictures. Because that's what guys do. 
Not all guys. Uh, the, the one thing when they were walking it's around, your daughter. Oh, yeah, it's it my daughter. A joke. Yeah, but I mean, they get to the they get they go into the fun house, and then then they all of a sudden they don't realize that they're in. They're like, hey, I think we're in the old big top. I think we're in the spaceship. How did this happen? And of course, the the brothers ice cream guys end up with some big titted ladies because of course that's all they're talking about all night. It's like I guess you're to assume it's like the the clown version of a hot tub because they fall into the balls and all of a sudden they get out of the balls and these girls with they they got needs, Glenn. They got needs. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so Clownzilla kind of lowers there from the ceiling, and he is an angry fella. Seems very angry. Uh, very alt. So he <laughs> then, uh, he destroys the clown truck. He destroys the uh, the ice cream truck, which sucks because, uh, you know, they're still paying on that thing. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the special effects of when Clownzilla picks up the truck. <laughs> it uh, was amazing. What, listen, I, the, I think my favorite thing about the 80s is like even things that are transparently terrible are also somehow simultaneously amazing. Yes. I mean, you've never seen like that miniature model like that. Like it was it was amazing. Like you could yeah. obviously tell what was going on there, but when the biker gets his with his head, like it knocks his block off, and the biker's head goes flying, you could totally see that. Just like his head goes back, like you see his head went back, and then just an, a head going into the garbage can. You're like, obviously he got his head knocked off. They didn't need to worry about any special effects in that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's funny, too. Like, I didn't realize how uh, – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not influential in the way that I think it is. But as I was watching this film, I kept seeing so many things from other places. Like, isn't that the exact death that Jason met it out on that guy in uh, Jason Takes Manhattan? He basically okay. punched a dude's head off, and it flew across the city, landed, and, like, backboarded <laughs> off into a dumpster. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's okay. the exact same gag. I actually remember that. Uh so, uh, Cop Dave, he's, he wants to be the hero in this situation. He knows he's going to go, he's probably going to die, but he's saving his friends and the, and the woman he loves. And he distracts the clown by trying to shoot him with the earth bullets. <laughs> Cannot. And uh, he runs out of the earth bullets. So, uh, earth big bullets, top- is that just dirt clumps? Is that what earth bullets yeah. are? <laughs> So uh, Big Top picks him up like he's a Ken doll. Wink, wink. Because it was a Ken doll. Because it was shot with a doll. See? <laughs> See what I did there? Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. High five. We're firing uh, pearls tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Big Top flies through the sky. Guys, I think is it called the Big Top because it looks like a top? If I missed this my entire life, I, th- I think so. Oh my god, Lawrence, you're not alone. The veil has been lifted. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm not the only one. I, that never occurred to me until you just said it. It never occurred to me until two nights ago when I was watching this movie. I'm like, the tent looks like a top. That's why it's called the big top. Never, Michael. Did you know that? I just assumed that's what it was. You guys didn't think that? Or I just assumed it had a big top. Like, I don't know. Why did it... You know, it's, it's this top. That's it's genuine, the top of it. That's genuinely like, I don't want to say it out loud because it sounds as dumb as he said it did. But that's literally, that's just, oh, it's a big top, right? It's real tall. <laughs> no, the I'm top of you. it is way up there. Yes. Yeah. I am with you, Chris. I am so glad I am not alone. Because, you know, when I wrote it, I was actually pretty proud that I'd figured it out until I just went to, like, read it. And I was like... I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I just figured this out. <laughs> well, People come to us for these trenchant observations, so yes. good work. <laughs> you write books because of this; these observations. <laughs> we put on a weekly so, show for 10 years. <laughs> so Dave, who's has, he has got a complex, complex situation, complex relationship with his ex-girlfriend. He removes his badge, and he saves the day. He, uh, he pokes... Uh, Godzilla or Clownzilla with the badge, which turns the spaceship into fireworks, which makes sense. And he lands, he lands to Earth in a clown car, 
with twenty with two thousand guns pointed at him by his fellow police officers. <laughs> it was comical how many honestly, I can't tell you how many times I've said this. Like when I was watching it, I was like, God, this is even worse than I remember. But as we sit sit and as often happens, as we sit here and talk about it, there are so many like isolated things that just were hilarious, like in retrospect. Like when he when there are like over comically how many guns get cocked as he like goes to get out of the car. Like it is like a police academy gag because it was yeah. like he gets out and then there's two thousand guns like pointed at him and I'm like, that's funny. Uh so the brothers ice cream, uh they're also in that clown car. And uh ice cream falls on our three heroes. Uh and then uh we can only assume that they have a menage a trois. Like Seriously, dude, at Dave, at the end of the movie, Dave is like rubbing her shoulders and he's got yeah. his hand on her shoulder like he's all up on her. It's like maybe she wants a little joking. And she wants a little well, bit serious at the same time. Guys, I, and I'm serious about this because I do love romantic comedies with all of my being. Who gets the girl? That was never solved. And I feel like we're yeah. in a worse place than when we started. Is it, though? <laughs> or is it just another way in which this film is innovative? And that it says, Look at you. it's up to you, buddy. That's what it says. You know what? Love love doesn't fit in boxes, okay? Not only, not only did this film inspire ICP, uh, this film also inspired Noah Baumbach, great screenwriter who <laughs> often has... <laughs> my, my best friend's wedding is obviously the uh, this movie's the precursor. <laughs> I will say it is interesting that one year later, the remake of The Blob came out, which is... Uh, basically, this film because it was this is also a remake of the Blob. I wonder how um, many people thought the Blob ripped this movie off. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, because they'd never been back to the fifties. I do think it's interesting too. Have you guys seen Peter Jackson's uh, Bad Taste? I have not. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was just thinking that. The, I was thinking if you wanted to come back, maybe we could talk about Meet the Feebles. I mean, it's not really. A, I mean, it's a. It's not really a horror movie or a bad no, taste. No, I thought no, that could no. force Glenn to do those things. Excuse me. Well, because <laughs> the interesting thing about Bad Taste is we kind of already watched it today. Because Bad Taste is essentially <laughs> about four guys in New Zealand who find out that aliens have landed and are planning on turning Earth into a fast food stop, which is kind of what this movie was about. And it literally ends, instead of a big top shooting up into the sky, I think it's just his house is converted into a spaceship or something like that, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. not beat for beat, but it's pretty close. It's kind of interesting. Uh, during this time... No, no, uh, no, 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 you stop. I okay. want to point out what he just did, Chris. What he did okay. was he took the onus off of us watching Watcher guilt. in the Woods. It's a it's a guilt thing. <laughs> he I took it. it out of your mind by promoting something he wanted to watch. So that's, I was trying to inception. Was I was like, trying to inception. I was just saying, use some psychological taekwondo to use our weight against us. Yes. Yes. He's like, oh, great. You bring in that movie up. Why don't we do that one? No, no. He did a goddamn watcher in the woods for fucking Clint. <laughs> he just waved his fingers in front of us and said, these are not the films you're looking for. <laughs> Well, but Michael, at that time period, though, at, at Critters had come out, which I thought was amazing, which was a little darker, not as much as funny, but also Space Invaders. Do you remember watching Space Invaders? Oh, my God. Is that the one with the four short? Yes. Yeah, four short goofy dudes. Like, they're, like to me, this feels like it's somewhere in the middle. Like, it's like it's super goofy, but it's also kind of serious at the same time. To me, it's like one of the perfect horror movies. Like, maybe this. Like, if you're starting people out on horror movies, maybe like Monster Squad and like this, like an eight, ten, an eight or nine year old kid. You know, like these are the first two movies you can watch. If, if you're interested in Monster Squad, go to YouTube and watch our two hour interview with Andre Gower. Uh, Chris, you know what the biggest he was problem good, was? He was a good listener. And Chris was gone. Okay. We almost made it. We almost made it. It's 56 minutes. All right. I'm going to pause it there. Hold on. Here, here. He's rejoining. Okay. You're back. Hello. There he is. Sorry about that. Hello. I, right, I was no just problem. saying that as far as, as far as like horror movies go, like maybe like this and Monster Squad, like if you're like eight or nine year old kid, like this, this would be a good place to start kids out at. Yeah. If you're interested in Monster Squad, check out our two-hour interview with Andre Gower on YouTube. <laughs> I guess I guess the reason why I brought this up is I went to the Indianapolis Horror Hound, and they had the they had the most of the cast of uh, 
of Monster Squad there, and I only had so much money. And they also had the Kyoto Brothers, like right next in the table, like right next door. I'm like, uh, I gotta get my autographs from the people from the Monster Squad. And then I get I get in the line for the people for the Kyoto Brothers. And I'm like, I I just spent like 120 dollars. I don't, I'm gonna get, I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, the interesting thing, I think we haven't we talked about this like maybe season two or three of the show, uh, which was a long time ago. Spaced Invaders. The my favorite line, and now I can't even remember it. And I knew, knew I could remember it then, but that was like eight years ago. The favorite line in the whole movie was only in the preview. So I was waiting for this one line throughout the entire movie, and they never played it in the movie. And I was, and therefore I didn't like the movie. Now, am I wrong? Like maybe I, I don't remember. Is that the one? Is Space Invaders the one that had the Fall Guys sidekick as the lead sheriff in it? Am I remembering <laughs> that correctly? Like Lee Major's oh sidekick from the TV show The Fall Guy was like the sheriff, oh right? God. I love The Fall Guy. I love the, the intros in my head. Oh, it's the best. Uh, hold on. I might run from an open drawbridge. Right? Yeah, when it's like, wreck a brand new car. Oh, God. I, that's a. I just hopped in the Wayback Machine. Douglas Barr? I don't know if he was on The Fall Guy or not. Did you, uh, did you end up getting the email we sent you during I, the show? I did, and I'm never going to look at it again because <laughs> okay. it is horrifying. <laughs> Oh, uh, Royal Dano, guys, was in Space Invaders and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Man. He played he played the redneck. Hmm, really? So if he yeah. popped up in Buckaroo Banzai, that's a hat trick. He's like the greatest thing that ever happened in the 80s. Well, he was in Moby Dick in 1956. <laughs> I think he was. He was also the grandpa. Didn't oh. he play the grandpa in House 2? Uh, I don't well, Hold on. He was in Ghoulies 2. Okay. Uh, God, he, was, he had 193 acting credits. I think he was in like a bunch of westerns and stuff. He was in Twin Peaks. He played the judge. Ah, uh, uh, yes, that fan favorite. He was in House <laughs> Two. Good job, Michael. Yeah. Oh, the dusty, um, the dusty old. He was Gramps. Yeah. 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 The and precursor to the character from the Frighteners that John Aston played. Mm-hmm. He was. Oh yeah. He was. I like in, it when they just lay there, all still, like. <laughs> He was in Date with an Angel, the Phoebe Cates movie I've always wanted us to do, but yet we've never got to it. He's uncredited. <laughs> he was in The Red-Headed Stranger with Willie Nelson. This guy lived an amazing life. This guy's a great life. I'm sure he could write a book. Uh, I'm sure he's dead. So I, uh, so I, I, I'm not saying I oh, have yeah, a super 94. fear of clowns, but I mean, it's definitely, there's a fear out there. People say they're freaked out by clowns. I don't know if it's a real thing, but I think it definitely make people feel uncomfortable. And I think my mother uh, injected that into my daughter's heart recently over the summer, meaning Ronald McDonald at the McDonald's in Normal, Illinois on College Avenue. Glenn, did you see that picture I sent you? I did, and I sent it to Chris. What do you think about this picture, Glenn? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Your daughter frightens me every time we see her <laughs> she can give a look that makes you think that she knows what's in your soul and it scares me so this picture is double scary because she seems frightened and anything that would frighten your three-year-old daughter <laughs> certainly frightens me now have i thought maybe the fact that chris and i did house on the day she was born without you has caused uh, <laughs> something inside her Yes, I have. I've thought about it many times. Does your daughter frighten you, Michael? Sometimes she gives me that look like, you're bullshit, Dad. All no, this is bullshit. But hasn't she like looked at you like in your sleep where you woke up and she was just staring at you? <laughs> Did you tell me that? Uh, sometimes she jumps up and down on top of me when I'm asleep, and she's just like, Daddy, blocks. Let's go play blocks. Well, that's just normal. Yeah, I thought you said like you looked up at her one day when you were awake and she was like staring through you. Do you not like? Yeah, that? she she did that also. She did it also. He's been trying we to were forget laying that. In bed. I know. Yeah, me and my wife and my daughter. She was laying in between us. I looked. I woke. I opened my eyes and she's staring right at me. Like, uh, uh, she better cure cancer or she's going to kill me in my sleep. I think that's those are the two options. I think. Yeah, I'm well, looking at the picture you sent right now, and I feel like this would be the picture that. Mulder lays on a desk when they start a new case. <laughs> well, uh, so it's a picture of like Ronald McDonald doing a selfie. Yeah. Like, and he's, he's like half the frame. And then my daughter's at the background, just standing next to him, just like looking up at him. Like, 
This guy's fucking stupid. Yeah. And so the big twist you... of the story here would be it's that the clown went missing, not the kid. Right. <laughs> so do you do you and your wife both use that email account? Because if so, don't even reference the picture and just let her find it on her own. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to start a new email account that's just called clownlove at hotmail.com. And I'm only going to mail okay, that one okay. picture and then close the account. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Chris, tell us a little more about uh, what you're doing. I know we talked about it at the top of the show, but uh, give us the the big sales pitch. Yeah, Why well, I want to uh, watch the movie. I, I appreciate you laying the red carpet out for me. Um, yeah, the film is called Fear Man. It's available. Anybody who's got Amazon Prime can watch it for free from home, so I'm not even asking you to spend money on it. But, um, yeah, it's a documentary that's about how horror film fans are formed. And then I think the the most interesting part, uh, and it's because, you know, I came up with it, it's my theory, is called the Fear Man Theory. And the last half of the movie really kind of talks about this theory I have, that there is an underlying purpose for every horror film in existence, and it's all the same purpose. And it's that humanity is trying to warn itself that humans are always the bad guy. They're always the villain in any circumstance. And so I sort of talk about the theory and how it plays out in almost any horror film you can watch, that there's some aspect of how humanity is always the bad guy, even when there's monsters in a movie, that they represent something inherently bad about humanity. And so that's what the documentary is about. And then I I don't know if I mentioned, but on March 9th, Kathy's in my third book came out. It's called Indie Science Fiction Cinema. It's basically about indie filmmakers of the new millennium, and uh, how science fiction has changed as a result of new technologies and the ability to get your films out in a much cheaper and um, more effective way than they used to. And we interview like 45, 50 filmmakers. Now, that's obviously not the target audience for your listenership, but if they enjoyed any of our other books, uh, you know, we wrote this one too. So, Well, uh, I mean, I know a filmmaker who's sitting uh, on the other one on one of these computer <laughs> screens who's currently making a documentary that I find fascinating. So okay. maybe this okay. is a book he should read. Maybe. maybe My interests are piqued. Are we supposed to roll the red carpet in that direction now? I don't actually know. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no we're not there yet. Okay. We're not there yet. But he has, he has an award-winning film. Thank you. Earth Day. I do appreciate it. Well, actually. It's, uh, it's called Human Touch. It's a, it's a post-apocalyptic love story. Oh. Uh, the, yeah. But isn't that a film inside a film? Wasn't that a part of Earth Day 2 or no? It's part of Earth Day 2, yeah. Is Earth Day 2 ever going to come out? It's going to come out eventually, Glenn, after I work on my next movie and I got another movie and then it'll come out. Don't worry. Don't you worry about it, Glenn. Right. I got stuff I'm working on. I got two kids right now. It's pretty hard to get anything done. He's uh, going the Mike yeah. Flanagan route. He's going to make Before yeah. I Wake and then it'll sit on the shelf for three years while he makes two other movies. Uh, that's kind of actually what's happening. <laughs> Now, see, he says jokingly and then cries a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, for the entire 10 years of this podcast, I had children uh, at, for a good portion of it, a single father. And yet Michael never took that into account when we were trying to plan stuff. Nope. Kids are easy, man. What are you doing? Now it's I got kids. I got kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's Holy nothing God. more inconvenient than someone else's children. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> uh, well, and we thank you so much. I was just thinking, I believe it's your uh, four years you've been coming on our show. I think it has been, yeah. I mean, you guys say that there's like a, a half-life for how long before I'm allowed to come back. So usually it's about once every eight to 12 months. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's cut that down to like six or less so we can do Watcher in the Woods before the end of summer. Because yes, before like, Michael finds a way to, I don't know, destroy every print in humanity so that he doesn't have to check it out. <laughs> Michael, I've watched a lot of movies for you. Do this Thank for you. Me. It has Betty Davis. Okay, I will. She's in it? I've probably seen it. Oh, I'm sure you saw it. We watched it's good times. I will, I'll vouch for that movie. movie. Okay. It's got Betty Davis. I do appreciate you being on the show. It does uh, make it sounds like we know what we're talking about, or at least somebody on the show knows what they're talking about. So thank you for, uh, for guessing. We do appreciate well, that's it. that's what I do. I, I read up on smarter people than me and pass it all off as my own. Okay. Also, interesting note, our landlord, uh, Mr. Furley, uh, our landlord of this podcast, he, after Chris's first uh, appearance on our show ever, sent me an email and said, that guy was awesome. 
you should have him on more. Now, that very well could be the last time Mr. Furley listened to our episode. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate him for everything that he does in uh, answering our dumb questions like twice a year when we don't know uh, what we're doing. How does email work, Mr. Furley? I don't understand it. I don't understand Codex. Uh, but we appreciate him as we do you, Chris. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we look forward to uh, you coming back and doing Watcher in the Woods. You don't even have to uh, do a, a project. I feel like you do these projects just so you can come on the show. Oh, thank and God. I'm here. I'm here I, I, I appreciate it, man. I'm exhausted. I, I changed to making movies because books are so damn hard, but I want to keep coming back. Yeah, well, you know, just take a break. It's fine. Go to Disney World. You're, you're not far. Next time I come on, you're going to say, what, what have you done? And I'm going to say, I made a delightful dinner. And you know what? I'm going to ask you about that dinner and why <laughs> we should make that dinner. Because we're all inclusive here. <laughs> well, as always, I have a blast on this show. And it gives me an excuse to revisit films that the, the hoi polloi uh, interviews that I do elsewhere don't allow me to watch. They're like, oh, what have you seen that's in French? <laughs> we're like you like french fries huh exactly. huh what am i doing here all right well thank you guys uh for listening oh i do need to plug that so if you want to be so nice uh it turns out uh mf jones uh our former producer years ago created a patreon account and he told us that he did it and in our infinite wisdom we never once said a thing about it uh so I went through this week and revamped it at the urging of Britt Cotney. Uh, you guys might remember him from season one. <laughs> Top and, Gun episode. Uh, and we have, uh, we have four Patreon subscribers already. Look at that. Without any promotion except for the Twitter. So uh, it's real easy, guys. If you want to give us uh, a buck a month, that's, hey, we'll take it. Uh, there's a few different packages on there where you can get some cool stuff too. But uh, if you want to do that, it's just Patreon, patreon.com slash awesome80s. And we appreciate it. If not, we don't care. Keep listening. We still love you. Hey, thanks again, everybody. Uh, thanks again, Chris. Thanks again, Lawrence. Uh, this is Michael. Uh, this awesome. is Lawrence. Oh, you just, you just, just went right to it, huh? Stay awesome. <laughs> Stay awesome. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, hey, Chris. No! You still here? Don't, don't, don't worry about us. We'll be all right. It's over. Should you need us? Yes. Should you need us? For any reason at all. Go home. Get out of here! Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Go.